0: Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Raymond Keating. He is the chief economist with the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit Small Business Advocacy Group, and you often catch him writing, speaking, testifying on a variety of issues that affect the entrepreneurial sector of the U.S. economy. In addition to the policy papers and reports, he also writes the weekly SBE Council cyber column Fact of the Week, a variety of other pieces at the website, www.sbecouncil.org. He's written five nonfiction books, hundreds of articles, and a wide range of expertise, as I said, about the entrepreneur and small business sector of the U.S. economy. Welcome to the show today, Ray. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for taking time out. I I just don't think we can talk enough about some of these issues. You know, small businesses tend to have their heads down, hunkered into their daily business, and sometimes are just oblivious to things that are being decided that are going to have an enormous impact on how they run their business, who they hire, how they pay their taxes. And, uh, you know, they're, they're out there trying to get the sale and all of all of their planning sometimes gets turned upside down because another regulation is introduced. And again, I just I just don't think that we can talk enough about these things and create the awareness that's needed. So, again, thank you for being on the show today. Um one of the things that you're very vocal about and you're you're on record with several reasons for why we need to have an overall overhaul of the tax system, you know, a tax reform. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, and actually it's gotten some attention in Washington lately and particularly on the corporate end. So you hear a lot of talk about corporate tax reform and in the Senate they issued a series of tax reform working group reports recently. Um uh, the president has talked about uh, our corporate tax rate being too high, non-competitive, and Republicans in Congress are saying the same thing. So there's there's a little bit of common ground there, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when you look at the tax code, you know, across the board, it's just complex, it's costly, um, it creates uncertainty, it certainly raises costs for entrepreneurs and for the investors that are critical to entrepreneurship. So. It is a big mess. The question is, um, what's going to happen if anything uh, to move ahead with some sort of reform?
0: Exactly. Well, one of the things you mentioned, though, is corporate tax reform and small businesses. Although they can be structured as C corporations, obviously, very most of them—I don't have the exact percentages. You probably uh, do—are not C corps; they're S corps. Um, They're they're independent, uh, sole proprietors, and so it passes through to their personal income. What good will a corporate tax reform do for this other group of small businesses? Yeah, that's,
1: uh, you hit the nail on the head, and you're right. The it last number I saw, I believe, was over 93% mm-hmm. of businesses, um, You know, as you said, sole proprietorships, partnerships, S-corps, LLCs, so they pay the personal income tax, not the corporate income tax. So you're absolutely right, and that's why we've strongly argued that Tax reform has to be real tax reform, comprehensive across the board. Uh, you can't leave out obviously over ninety percent of businesses and expect to uh, see some real benefits um, from tax reform. so you're right, and that's where that's where the huge divide is right now in Washington because you've had obviously the administration has been has put through pushed through and favored tax increases on the individual side, particularly uh, among upper income earners. Um, so that's, that's the, the problem, uh, without a doubt. And uh, when you look at um, that tax rate on the individual side, again, we're, we're not competitive globally. And when you look at our recent history, rates are certainly very high. So, it's, as I said, we, we've been arguing that it's got to be across the board. And we've been talking about tax reform. My goodness, it's, it's like healthcare reform. Oh, I've know. been talking <laughs> about tax reform for a very long time. Yeah. And, uh, but we really do need it. It needs to happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the upcoming election. You know, how big of an issue is mm-hmm. it going to be with the candidates? Um, and then we'll see what happens after the next presidential election.
0: As you said, this has been going on. Uh, there's been talk about a tax reform for years and years and years. Uh, small businesses often are used as a bu- buzzword in these arguments, but then when, uh, the laws come down or regulations are finally enforced or, or, or introduced, they're really kind of uh, left out of, of whatever the implications of those laws are. They really haven't been thought through. What would you propose, uh, thinking about that 93% that you were talking about, what would you propose as being fair there? I mean, let, let me just set the stage, and you can add to this if you want to. But, again, it passes through. But there are a lot of things that they pay some of this some of this is evolving or has has been fixed gradually but there are, there are various taxes they don't get a break on for example they're paying both sides of the employer tax uh, there has been some um, relief on the health care deduction side but those are just some examples of things that I don't think uh, people think about whenever you hear about tax reform for small business that you're Paying these things that um, others don't have to worry about. When you're employed by somebody, you're only paying half of the ta- the taxes—the seven point six five percent. Your employer pays the other half. If you're the small business owner, you're paying both sides. Things like that.
1: Right. No. I, you, again, absolutely correct. And and it's again, it, just to backtrack one second. You know, it is important. We don't poo-poo, if you will, corporate tax forms, C Sure. Firm, exactly. Again, you know, um, when you look at the numbers, there. I think I believe 86% of C corps actually have less than 20 employees and mm-hmm. it's like 99% have less than 500 so that's certainly small mid-sized businesses yeah. and that's our entire economy. Right. You know, understand we've got 27 28 million businesses in this country based on IRS data <clears throat> and I think only 17 or 18,000 have more than 500 employees which surprises a lot of people. So we're it a, does. Yeah, we're a small business economy to say the So, in terms of the basic principle, you know, we've again talking about how far back this issue goes. Um, I think we first published uh, a, a paper on you know kind of guidelines for for reforming the tax system back in the mid '90s. Um, so this has been going on a while. And keep in mind that the last major tax reform we had was what 1986-87. So it's an issue that keeps coming up. <clears throat> but we've argued. You know, basic principles that we've laid out, a low flat tax, uh, low flat tax rate to uh, to get economic growth moving, to get investment moving. No, t- no double taxation of capital, right? That's mm-hmm. huge for, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest challenge for small businesses really is access to funding, access to financing, access to capital. So when you tax, you know, for example, capital gains at very high rates, um, which we have done recently and have done in the past at times, that discourages the investment that uh, that entrepreneurs need. Um, you know, other things we need to make the system clearer, um, so people understand what taxes they're they're actually paying, that they're not hidden. Uh, obviously, simplifying the system, uh, minimizing incentives for for avoiding taxes. All those things are part of the agenda that we laid out uh, for real substantive tax reform. And you're right, we we hear things about. All sorts of tax changes that, you know, each year we, we hear about yes. tax changes, but so much of that is uh, temporary measures. And that's the other part. Uncertainty comes into the equation. You know, when you have expensing for small businesses, that's great, but when that has to be renewed every year, and sometimes it's renewed late in the year, retroactively to the beginning of the year, what kind of right does that say yeah, no for businesses to, that have to exactly. plan and invest?
0: Exactly. And, and you know, one of the things, too, uh, th- everything is just so intertwined. It's much it's much more complicated than just saying, oh, we need to reduce taxes for business owners, small business owners in particular. As you said, it's a small business economy. Uh, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, with capital gains, who, who would think that the tax on capital gains can create a lack of funding or or. Uh, reduced funding opportunities or sources for small businesses. I mean, that's that's one piece that people might not be thinking about. And then just the cost and the time involved in trying to keep up with these and playing your budgets and your business around it. You know, the accounting costs that come into play and the time. Small businesses do not have, for the most part, uh, a big, large accounting staff devoted to tracking all of this stuff. So so uh, there's there's all these things that come into play, um, and the temporary uh, tax and the uncertainty, uh, it, it's all a part of it. One of the things that uh, in 2010, 2011, I was the national chair of the National Association of Women Business Owners, got to know Karen Kerrigan, who, who directs your uh, organization, got to know her very well. And one of the things that was frustrating for me was, it was the height of the recession, and all of these tax credits were being rolled out—the Higher Act and you know, sec- uh, continuation of Section One Seventy Five and expansion, and so forth. What people were missing is that people aren't going to or businesses aren't going to spend more money, and they're not going to hire another person if their sales don't warrant it. Uh, You know, this is a tax credit you can take because you spent money. (laughs) And if you don't have the money at the height of the recession, that doesn't do you a darn bit of of good. And so that used to just really frustrate me that that was the kind of Solution we were being presented with as small business owners, when so many of them were not making. Oh, by the way, in order to take a credit, you have to have a profit too, and so many were not having a profit. So, those are that that lack of understanding sometimes with our um, lawmakers is frustrating.
1: Oh my goodness, as an economist, it drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, when I, um, you know, sometimes when I go up to Capitol Hill and I testify, you know, so many of these these folks get it, but so many of them don't, and Mm -hmm. you know. You know, I I keep wanting to say, I never do, of course, but I want to say, you know, perhaps it's time to go back and take an Economics 101 class. But having said that, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. When these little tinkering measures, these targeted measures, um, that sounds so good, but, you know, how many businesses does it apply to? And you're absolutely right. What is the overall environment that the businesses are operating in? You know, if, if, you know, we have, I just did a, a piece on, uh, GDP, the recent GDP numbers that have come out. And, you, you know, it just, again, this, the story continues in terms of this grossly underperforming recovery that we're in. You know, we should be growing at two more than two times
0: the mm-hmm. rate,
1: uh, double the rate that we are growing now. That all ties into the issue that you're talking about. And, um, you know, within this environment, it's very uh, <clears throat> hard, obviously, for businesses to contemplate investing uh, taking those risks. Um, it's just its not happening. And when you look at the numbers as to why our economy is lagging, it's clearly business investment. That's what has been suffering since before, actually, this last recession hit. Um, so we've barely gotten back to where we were before the recession in terms of real business investment. So all of these things have meant to factor. And these little t- you're absolutely right, these little tinkering measures uh, don't accomplish much, um, you know. With Obamacare, we heard a lot about the small business tax credit, mm-hmm. and that turned out to be, uh, you know, a fallacy in terms of yeah. uh, it's being temporary and so on and so on. And the lim the va- the limited number of businesses that could use it. So, unfortunately, we see this a lot. It's played up, you know, big time in the media and politicians that propose it. You know, make it sound like it's it's you know the next great thing that's going to save us all. But what we really need uh, is fundamental. Tax reform, tax relief. Yes, tax relief., mm-hmm. uh, regulatory reform, and regulatory relief, these are the things that we need to get this economy going. And you know, right now it's just uh, it's extremely frustrating from my perspective as an economist and a policy person. Uh, it's been frustrating for a number of years. I mean, at heart, I'm an optimist, you know, I, I represent small business owners, they're optimists.
0: Absolutely. But
1: you know, I've been depressing everybody for seven, <laughs> like, 17 years now when I talk about the economy, but those are the numbers. Oh, you're,
0: you're, you're just trying to open up their eyes so they'll be more, more vocal and, and then laws and regulations will be created to make them even more optimistic, but that's probably, uh, well, we'll see where that goes. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about the regulatory side of things that small businesses have to do deal with particularly the minimum wage which has been in the news quite a lot lately you're listening to smart companies radio on blog talk radio we'll be right back
1: interested in growing your business thinking bigger business media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level whether it's an aspiring business a startup established or mature thinking bigger provides the how-to strategies critical connections and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable Check them out at IThinkBigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing businesses. Visit them today at IThinkBigger.com. Breakfast, a time to bring your family together over thick-cut, slow-smoked farmland bacon and savory, delicious farmland breakfast sausage. Every strip, every patty and link brings the sizzle breakfast is served come and get it farmland passion for pork since 1959
0: every hiring manager knows that a company is only as good as the people it's made from so where do you find the best people that may surprise you meet the grads of life Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs.
1: This is talent worth knowing about.
0: Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find,
1: cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org
0: morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here this morning with Raymond Keating, who is the chief economist with the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. They're an advocacy group for small businesses. We've been talking here this morning about the need for a comprehensive tax reform, not just a corporate tax reform, but a comprehensive one, primarily because so many small businesses are S-corps, a lot of C-corps, but still majority are S-corps and the the um, income passes through. So if there's not comprehensive reform, then you're not doing a whole lot of good. Ray, I want to turn now to uh, some of the regulatory issues. Right now, there's a lot of labor Regulations that are in the news. Um, I'm not. We're not going to go through all of them today. But I know we've been hearing a lot about the minimum wage, about the exempt status of employees, about independent contractor guidelines. Uh, today, let's just focus in on the minimum wage discussion that's going on. And uh, what are what are your thoughts on that?
1: It's as an economist, it's one of the issues that probably frustrates me the most because. There's a very, there's a vast difference between where economists are on the minimum wage and the, where the public is in general. You know, if you look at polls of the public, unfortunately, overwhelmingly they favor raising the minimum wage. Yes. You know, the polls come in at like somewhere around seventy percent uh, favor, give or take, favor a higher minimum wage. Then you go over and look at economists, and it's flipped the other way. Economists will, tell you know, the polls that I've seen roughly. It's over 70% of economists, labor economists, uh, will tell you that raising the minimum wage is not a good idea. And people are like, why? Isn't that great? I mean, you know, people earn more money at the lower income levels and they'll spend it and the Mm -hmm. economy will be great and so on and so on. Well, you know, if that were the case, then, you know, government should wave its magic wand all the time, (laughs) right? And why not raise the wage to 30 bucks an hour? And the problem is... That there are real costs involved here, and those costs are going to have an effect. And the the first effect that economists always talk about is, guess what, there's fewer job opportunities for the people you're trying to help. For low-income, low-skilled, young, inexperienced workers, they see fewer opportunities. When government comes in and raises the minimum wage, businesses react accordingly, and they're going to find ways to Unfortunately, not hire people at that skill level. They'll switch duties, you know, move duties to a higher-skilled individual. They'll look for ways to uh, mechanize, you know, mm-hmm. to, to get rid of, to install labor-saving devices, um, and so on. So that's, that's number one. So the group they're trying to help, they wind up hurting. Um, and then number two, the other group that gets hurt are small business owners who are very labor-intensive, who yes. can't necessarily make those investments or, or shift all those duties to somebody else. And they have to figure out what are they going to do with these higher costs that have been imposed on them by uh, by by the government. And, you know, they've got to uh, decide maybe they're not going to expand, they're not going to hire more people, um, they're going to reduce compensation in some other way, right, reduce mm-hmm. uh, pay for maybe other employees or roll back on various benefits. So mm-hmm. this is the real world. Business owners have to operate in the real world, politicians operate in their own universe where they, you know, can magically do these things. But unfortunately, when it comes to regulation, businesses are the ones on the front lines, and they have to deal with this. And it's, uh, you know, you talk to business owners, they will absolutely tell you the burdens of taxes uh, and how significant, but they'll also talk you about the burden, tell you about the burden of regulation, and they're dealing with that on the front lines. And that's what consumers don't see, and that's one of the great dangers of regulation is that politicians can step forward and say, look what I'm doing here, isn't this great, and everybody applauds. But consumers don't really see clearly what those costs are, but business owners, small business owners certainly do.
0: Right, and they're going to manifest in uh, more expensive products or services, or as you say, there's going to be... Uh, looking around to find out where they can cut labor costs in other areas, whether that's benefits or through automation or by reassigning tasks so they don't have to hire those uh, people. But the other thing is, you know, I'm all for everybody making a fair wage. Uh, the, you know, we do have to compensate people uh, properly according to their skill level and position, and I do stress according to their skill level and position. However, when you talk, this talk about minimum wage and, and a flat federal one has always, and we're not going to get into it today, but even this uh, raising the, the manager's salary on the exempt status discussion, it, right geographically, costs are different. The cost of living is different in various areas of the country. And I, it slays me why we're, we're trying to find a magic number that fits everybody in all 50 states. I, I That that I don't get at all.
1: Um, yeah, it's, well, you know, there's, there's so many levels here in terms of where the, the minimum wage battle happens, right? You, you're absolutely right. The federal level, you've got that situation where if the Fed's... Raise the, you know the minimum wage across the country. Mm-hmm. What about those cost differentials? Right, absolutely correct. But then you get down to, you know, state and city level, yes. where states turn around and raise the minimum wage above the federal minimum right. wage. Right. Right. And then they're putting themselves and businesses in a in a bad competitive position. Um, and giving another incentive. You know, I happen to live in New York, a high cost state, high tax, high regulation, Mm -hmm. high everything. (laughs) Um, You you know, do you want to give another reason for businesses to move somewhere else? Um, New York City, uh, you know, the big push, uh, it's happening now that Mm -hmm. eventually the minimum wage in New York is going to go up to $15 per hour. Sure. Um, You know, if you look at the polls, now this is a high cost state, right? But you look at the polls of business owners uh, one that was done recently, I can't remember who did it, but the numbers were staggering in terms of how businesses are going to react to this. That, you know, 86% of restaurant owners said that they would reduce employee hours or staffing. Um, you know, 43% said they were likely to close their restaurants.
0: Mm. Um,
1: you know, so this is, it's significant um Everywhere it happens. I mean, the problem is, is what, the bottom line problem is you have politicians thinking that they know better than the marketplace. They think politics can can overrule, you know, market forces. And and you talk about productivity. Yes. Right? In, there's a pattern. You know, somebody is young, inexperienced, low skilled You get into the workforce. You do that that truly minimum wage job. If there's not for lack of a better phrase, right? And then you gain experience. Perhaps you get some more schooling, and then you you climb the economic ladder, right? the The problem with the minimum wage is it knocks out that first rung for so many people. Mm-hmm. so it's it's counterproductive in so many level in so many ways, but because it's politically popular, you're going to see politicians signing on. And of course, you have labor unions that that um, support it in a big way in terms of pushing the minimum wage higher. Right. And they are a politically powerful group, without
0: a doubt. Yeah, and the other part of that that people don't see is when the entry level becomes higher, uh, there's wage acceleration uh, through the rest of the positions in the company, too, which puts even more uh, cost burden on the business owner. So, you know, it, it escalates. There's all, all kinds of things, as you say, tied to this. It's not as obvious as it seems. We only have a couple of minutes left, but I want. it, it might seem like we're starting early here, but uh, we're already hearing lots of things about the presidential candidates, and I'm sure that positions will evolve, and uh, we don't have time to discuss all of the candidates at the moment. If uh, the small businesses who are listening today uh, want to pay attention and vet these candidates, what are some of the issues that they should be looking at uh, as the race evolves and continues?
1: Yeah, there are so many. I mean, just to put a plug in, if you go to our website, sbecouncil.org, uh, we've, we've been doing little small business snapshots of candidates. We're not fully caught up because there's so many. Yes, I know <laughs> uh, they keep have, growing. <laughs> yeah, we do have some, uh, some up there. And we look at them on, um, you know, taxes and tax reform issues we've been talking about. We definitely look at them on regulatory issues. Do they understand, you know, that, that the, about these regulatory costs? and are they they proposing some solid reforms, or are they looking to, to raise those costs? Health care remains a big issue, and it will remain a big issue with Obamacare. Um, so where are they on that? Um, we also look at the energy issue. Every mm-hmm. Every business is affected by energy costs and energy security, so that is certainly an issue that we look at. And we also take note of where they are on trade. You know, everybody thinks, or a lot of people think that, Things like energy, they think energy, they think big oil, they think trade, they think big, you know, conglomerates. But you know what? It's all about small business. The energy sector is about small business. International trade, you know, ninety-seven percent, ninety-eight percent of exporters are are small, mid-sized firms. So we look at whether they favor uh, free trade or are they looking to put up obstacles to trade? Um, Obstacles to trade just limit you know, economic opportunity for entrepreneurs and businesses. So we look at all those issues. Those are the biggies, I think, Mm -hmm. that really drive, uh, you know, so much of of our economic growth or, or, I'm sorry, lay the foundation for whether growth happens or not in the private sector. So those are things we need to be looking at. And you know what? There are going to be more that are coming up. Obviously, you know, within the regulatory environment, we just talked about the minimum wage. That's a big issue. Um, There will be many, many more. But the bottom line is, quite frankly, when you look at these candidates, are they—everybody's going to say they love small
0: business. Yes, they will. The is, <laughs> no doubt.
1: What What are they going to do on the policy front? Are they talking about higher taxes or lower taxes? More exactly. regulation, less regulation. That's what you got to
0: look at. Absolutely. Sbecouncil.org. Make sure that you bookmark that to keep up with the candidates' issues and to find a lot of other information and updates about how politics and regulations are affecting your small business. Sbecouncil.org, thank you so much for being with us today, Ray.
1: Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate
0: it. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.